Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of the RSL Show. I'm the intern, Alex Napolis, joined today by Joshua Clark. Josh, how you doing, man? You know I've been better. How are you, Alex? Yeah, I've been better too. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> uh, it funny how sports can absolutely destroy your mood? Oh, absolutely. I was on a high for the last like two months um, with how well our soul is playing, and then now I'm just kind of slowly coming back to uh, whatever the after of, of this is. I mean, slowly you didn't come crashing down? Because I feel like I crashed pretty hard. I was trying to stay positive, you know? You know me. I'm trying to stay you positive. Know- I'm trying to look at the... Look on the bright side of, of what's going on with RSL, but um, unfortunately this time, uh, things are looking rough. Yeah, not, not great. Not great. Let's kick it off with uh, some some Twitter comments, huh? Let's do it. All right, so we asked uh, you guys for your, your hot takes, essentially. Um, so we're just going to read those, every single one of them. Uh, here we go. First one from Zerk. I'm all for Pablo out. Wow, that that started off hot. But we still need the rest of the season to determine that. Next two matches should be easy. That's uh, famous last words. <laughs> but, but not too confident because of our recent performances. IDK, the Andres Gomez Insta story, but seems concerning well for me at least. We need to turn things around. I I agree. I'm not sure if I'm um, all for a Pablo out yet. However, these next two games on paper should be winnable. Um. Andres Gomez. Andres Gomez is an interesting topic, and I think we'll we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, going on to the next one, we got Chris Farns. Uh, Real weren't good while the EPL was going on, and now that it's starting up again, they went back to their struggles. So I suppose it's okay uh, with me that we're stuck that we're sucking right now because I can just focus on Liverpool. Is that really what you want to focus on, though? <laughs> anyway, thank you, Chris Farns. Travis Anderson, lineups were a big factor on the last few matches. Put the best 11 on the pitch and keep them there until we have the lead and then close out the match. We need a dedicated six to stay close to the defense while we figure out our back line. We have to stop hemorrhaging goals. I agree. I agree. I I think we talked about it too before the game is that I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily agree with the lineups that he put on for both Houston games. No, I, I, I don't agree with them at all. Honestly, um, as far as the dedicated six, though, I thought Palacio did a, a great job. A lot better in the um, second game. I think in the first one, yes. I think in the in the game at Houston, um, he kind of struggled a bit, but so did most of the team. And then on Saturday, he looked a lot better. Yep. I, I've, I'm very excited for him. 
Absolutely. Um, Andrew Lord, the RSL roster isn't perfect, but we should be way beyond one player away from ruin mode. Only exception is, is if Chicho was on, was the hurt player. Mastrani has the rest of the year to prove that he can win without Pablo Ruiz, a great player, but shouldn't be so irreplaceable. 100% agreed. And I think I tweeted we tweeted about this and we talked about this a lot too during the game is I, I just refuse to believe that we are that poor without Pablo Ruiz. Absolutely, especially because the last few years, I mean, there were times that people didn't want him on the field, period. It right? does, it does I think... Seem- it does seem to kind of like fluctuate like when he's not performing when he's in like a, a poor run rsl's in a poor run and then when he's doing really really good hence the last couple months rsl seems to like tick up right at that same time i don't right. know if it i don't know if it correlates that much but it, it, it regardless we can't have a tactic that purely relies on one player like that um mm-hmm. and, and but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that more too later on all right david dillman does rsl need to switch the formation how would y'all feel about playing Luna in a 10 again and moving back to a 4-2-3-1 now that Luna is cooking and Chicho is here? Yes. Please. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's I think it's needed after what we've seen over the course of the last two games. It's so needed. Yep. Will it happen? Big question. Um, Carlos Sacco. We need to find some consistency in lineups on the back line. I understand the need for a rotation, but every game is a mystery of the combos that will be used. I would like to see Vera play left back once back rather than Oviedo and at center back. And Ellie should be a permanent right back starter. Agreed. It should be Vera, Silva, Glad, and Ellie. No Brody? Uh, I'm higher on an Ellie than Brody. Really? Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Luke Rogers. We need to figure out our defense and get Chicho back scoring goals, but Diego in the 10. And I think things could change. This one's really interesting because that's that was exactly the question I asked Pablo Mastroeni in the postgame presser. And that was like the most alive, most human answer I've ever seen Pablo give is I asked, so I was like, what, why, what's happened? Like what's changed? Like what's been going on? Why are we giving up 14 goals in five games after shutting out some really good high scoring teams like Orlando, like Seattle? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, it's more than he, he doesn't obviously just want to put it on Pablo because he says it's more than that. And it's just, he talked about the complete lack of confidence right now that that back line has. Um, and that they've had since that kind of tough outing against Monterey. We'll get into that. (laughs) How do you, how do you go from competing, right? Doing very well, hanging in there with the big guys to completely losing confidence over the course of one and a half games, right? Obviously we're farther into it than that, but are you really telling me LAFC and Pablo getting out completely destroyed the confidence of the guys. Like I, I have a really hard time buying that, but here we are. From from what I guess from like the, from what it sounded like to me, and from what he was kind of talking about on Saturday, was that they went into they went into LA with so full of confidence. They they felt like they were going to go get a result at the break. They were still not playing a bad game. They were still doing very well, holding them to zero zero at LAFC. And so they had a lot of confidence going to that second half and they just completely fell apart. They recognize that Pablo recognizes that they did not play a good second half in that one. And I think not getting knocked out of that tournament at LAFC um, in a game where they were super comp- going in super confident, thinking that they could win uh, obviously affected them in a negative way. Um, and then to not play in between that game and the open cup game, to not have like like we I think we talked about it um, in the last podcast is to have that 
kind of LA Galaxy game in the middle to boost that confidence to go out and get a big win. We didn't get that because they got can they got rescheduled, obviously. And then so to go straight from an elimination to to that, it's there's just no way to build that confidence back up. And then you get what you saw on Saturday, which was just a team who who lacked confidence, who lacked conviction um, at home, who lacked pretty much everything. Let's be real. Absolutely. Um, Jaden Sylvester, please put please put Luna in the midfield with Ojeda. Maybe go back to the diamond formation like the good old days. Also, I like Palacio, and it seems like he's a solid player. But whenever he plays, we lose. Um, you know, yeah, he, whenever he's played, basically we've lost, but you gotta remember he's a new guy coming in at a weird time. I, I definitely won't put this on Palacio. I think he's going to end up being more solid than even Ruiz. Uh, I think he has an extremely high upside. I think he's just getting an unfortunate run with the team, right? It's going to take a while for him to mesh with, and, and for the guys to mesh with him. Uh, but I, th- I thought we saw a lot of promise from him on Saturday, but Thanks. I would like to see, uh, Luna in the midfield, maybe not a diamond, um, but Luna at the 10 for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Gabriel, between 2021 and 2023, these teams parted ways with their coaches. Bayern, Nagelsmann, Monaco, Kovac, Aston Villa, Gerard, Chelsea, Tuchel, PSG, Pochettino, yet here we are, pa- yet here we are Pablo out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sonny Utana, maybe just maybe Houston's press is quite good and they deserve credit for taking it to RSL. Yeah. Look, sure. But I... counter to that RSL's press has been very good and we've been pressing the pressing teams, which is how we've been getting results uh, until we stopped pressing against LAFC and haven't figured out how to do it again. Uh, well, and then uh, I want to give huge credit to Houston for, for doing for, for, for the press, the press that they had against Rouse Lake over the course of the two games, because LAFC and the LAFC game and the Monterey game really gave other teams a blueprint on how to beat this team, on how to mm-hmm. make that backline shaky, on how to put pressure on, on in the midfield to win back possession. Um, they did it really well. We, they, uh, LAFC and Monterey did it really well because they are top teams, and Houston and Ben Olsen saw that and took, I feel like they took a lot of advantage of that against us in both the open cup match and on Saturday. Right. And this is where people question Pablo, right? Obviously teams have figured you out. How do you adjust? And that's how, that's what we're all waiting to see. hundred percent. Um, and, and honestly for the Pablo out crowd, I'm fine if you're on that train, right? I'm not quite there yet. Um, but I need to see if he can adjust, right? If he can pull us out of this this nosedive. Um, anyway, Devin Stelter couldn't have imagined a worse result on Saturday. Starting to look like LAFC and the first Houston game weren't blips. My confidence is pretty low, and while Ruiz was important, it's hard to see how losing one player would cause this much much dysfunction in all phases of our game. I absolutely agree. And to be completely honest, uh, a bigger worry for me when, when you talk about dysfunction in the phases is the play of Justin Glad. Um, ever since that on goal, he has been not himself. Um, and I think that's something that really needs to be addressed by the coaching staff. And hopefully, you know, the, the team psychologist can get his head back on his shoulders. And then the last one for tonight, Tate Draper. This is the saltiest one. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the salt. I hate the coach starting strong. He doesn't understand tactics in the slightest. He also doesn't respect slash value our best players and put some of our worst players on the pedestal, i.e. Pablo Ruiz. Wow. Wow. 
and Oviedo freaking sucks, and Luna, Sava, Chicho, Lofsson, and Gomez are all fantastic. Just a lot to unpack in that one. That's a, <laughs> that's a wild take there. Yeah. I like that one. Uh, it's salty, though. It's salty, and, it you know, I salty. appreciate the salt. It is. I, I wouldn't say uh, Ruiz is is one of our worst players, though. Um, I disagree. Oviedo is absolutely struggling this season, though. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's the tweets. <laughs> All right. So let's, we'll start with we'll start with the open cup because naturally, you know, that's that's where we're at. Um, prior to you know Inter Miami's playing, um, who by the way, two finals in two months for Lionel Messi after just barely getting here. Greatest player in the world, my friend. Insane. It's ridiculous. It's honestly ridiculous. I will still die on the hill that. Miami's getting some help. Either yes. way, it's still ridiculous. Well, I mean, because we were both watching the game and we both we texted each other and we were like, dude, where did the eight minutes come from? Because there was no way there was eight minutes worth of stoppage time in that one. Nope, not even not even close. It's Yet here we are. Credit to Miami, I guess, for finally waking up and being good, but it's it's annoying to see Messi in another final after just barely getting here. You know what? It's it's less annoying to see Messi in the final than it is to see like Yedlin <laughs> and like some of their quote unquote fans, right? Like, oh, yeah, we're the best team in the world. No, you're just lucky for a season and a half. Okay, carry on, <laughs> dude. I forget Yedlin plays for that team. It's a lot of players who get to play for that team because Crazy. the team is not that great. Anyway, okay, so open cup match. We go down to Houston. Um, Arsenal comes out with a pretty pretty strong eleven considering the circumstances, right? You got McMath and goal, you got Nelly, Glad, Vera, Brody. Um in the midfield, Savarino, Ojeda, Lafelson, Luna, and then up top, Krylak and Chicharango. Yep. For looking me, at the, looking yeah, at that lineup, what do you think? Uh the the question marks there were were Krylock and Lafelson for me. Now um, I fully expected Palacio to to get the ninety in this one. Um, and then I don't know why we're messing with the chemistry of Moose and, and Danny or sorry, Danny and Moose, Moose and Chicho. Um, but overall, that's a very strong lineup that should take care of Houston Dynamo. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I think, I think we've, we've come to the point where we've established that our two, our best pairing right now up top is Danny and Chicho, which is really interesting in a game where you, you go in, you have to win in order to advance, and you decide to roll out Demir Kralik and Chitorango, which, again, no disrespect to Demir, but those were the two guys coming into this one in form, the top goal scorers, and playing really well together. Well, and let's let's also remember that the type of striker Chicho is, right? He's a poacher. Absolutely. Demir is kind of the same. They're both target men. Mm-hmm. So why are we playing two target men together, right? It It's weird. I think it really works. I think it really works out that Dan, uh, that Musaski and Chicho play well together because Chicho is kind of more of that poacher, that target man, that guy that you want to have inside the inside the box. Whereas and and occupying center backs, whereas Danny uses that speed to get in behind, and it's worked out really well. We saw it against Leon, where Leon was completely marking Chicho Arango, completely left Danny Musaski all by himself. Mm-hmm. Musaski has two back to back quick goals. Um, it works. It works well. It's it had been working well, and then. Um, the Amir Krylak gets a start against Houston. Lafelson is a big, big scratch to the head. Um, 
just because even in moments where you have to rotate a little bit, he hasn't really been getting the start. He's been coming in off the bench a lot more recently. Um, and so it was kind of interesting just to see him get that start alongside Ojeda. But also, you say rotate. We haven't played in 14 days. Well, I mean, Why pri- we... I mean prior to. Right, but even coming into this game, it, it felt like he rotated the lineup. True. And there was absolutely no need to do so, but I digress. Um, so it starts off not the best. Um, Houston have a lot of good opportunities. Arcel isn't really clicking on the final in the final third. Um, and then those last added time of that first half was just terrible. Um, I think it starts with that defensive mistake from a Mecca Nelly who just can't clear the ball, um, ends up at Brody who Brody just whiffs on the clearance, mm-hmm. leaves it straight there for Hector Herrera and Herrera just finds the back of the net, makes it one, nothing right before the break, which is not when you want to concede. Absolutely not. And it's so interesting this one, this goal is really interesting to me because you go back to the Monterey game, you go back to the LFC game. Um, the team has just been so much more susceptible to conceding goals on mistakes, silly mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Not being able to clear the ball out well, um, not not marking the running the runner into um, into the box on a transition play. Um, it's just been silly, silly mistakes that have caused RSL to concede these goals, and then you see that one where just Andrew Brody just can't connects just absolutely whiffs the clearance leaves it there and now you're trailing one nothing in a semifinal yeah and that's that's where it's you know you can you can talk about the confidence because these guys are obviously giving up garbage goals but that's not ruiz's fault right that this is something that they need to pull themselves out of anyway continue absolutely um later in the second half anderson julio comes off the bench comes in off the bench um, he's able to make it 1-1 in the 64th minute. And at this point, RSL is getting... Or, or no, actually, I have to go back a little bit because Corey Baird scored mm. seconds after Hector had scored to make it 2-0. But then VAR saved RSL. Which was questionable for me. It was I, it was very questionable because it was a similar... It's a similar call to what what we've what we've talked about in the past with like a player impeding the mm. side of the, of the side of the keeper. Yep. Um, just apps. I think it's very lucky that we walked out of that, that RSL was only down by one at the half. Yep. Um, and then going into the second half, Anderson Julio is able to get the equalizer at this point. RSL is building a little bit more on the attack. They're looking a little bit better, but I don't think the subs necessarily helped RSL in this one. Um, right. Which has been a big knock on Pablo in the past. Absolutely. You bring off Julio, or excuse me, you bring off Diego Luna at the um, at the halftime at the break um, to put in Andres Gomez, and I don't know what happened to Andres Gomez, but lately he just hasn't seemed like the player he was when he started the season. I would completely agree. Again, confidence is shot, and how do you, as a coach, how do you get the confidence back in a younger guy? Right, I, and I don't know, but putting him into this situation, I think, did him a disservice. Especially at the half, I think coming in as a sub at the half that that that's a weird spot to come in, um, and I and I honestly feel like it's a knock on the player coming off as well, unless they're injured. Um, so hated that substitution to be completely honest with you. Absolutely, um, I don't think uh, if if you were going to bring him in, I don't know if necessarily Luna was the best choice because Luna mm-hmm. was uh, in my eyes Luna was the best playmaker up to that point. I don't think we saw enough from Savarino in this one. I don't think we saw enough of Sabrino in, in on Saturday either, and I think it, 
and we'll we'll get into that too. But I think it's Saverino's and Luna's responsibility now to step up and be more of that playmaking role um, for Real Salt Lake. And I just haven't seen it from Sava over the course of the last couple of games. Right. One of those two needs to start finding the ball, you know, to Chicho. And that's just what it is. It's what it is. He's not getting, he's starved. He's starved of service the last couple of matches and people are starting to harp on Chicho, but man, dude, dude barely gets the ball. Right. And when he does get the ball, he's dropping deep and he's, He's not a guy that's going to drop deep and dribble the ball forward. You know, that's not his style. It's not what he's good at. So really to fix RSL, they need to stop bleeding goals, which I don't know where that's coming from because the goals are coming from weird spots. And then they just have to figure out how to get, you know, the ball on Chicho's head in the box. Absolutely. Um, we just have we haven't seen enough. We didn't see it. We barely saw it in Houston um, before he was subbed off. We barely saw it on Saturday. Um, which he went the full 90 on Saturday mm-hmm. um, for the first time since joining RSL. And then... And, and he did a lot of work defensively as well, which I, I really appreciate it. He absolutely but. did. I think I think we we really are just missing a feeder right now to Arango mm-hmm. because it really was Pablo Ruiz. Pablo Ruiz and Arango really found themselves each other really well. He mm-hmm. mentioned it to us on the interview that we did with him, um, how much he really enjoyed playing with Pablo Ruiz and how they've already they've already connected um, on the field and it, we've we see the difference in the attack and we'll get into that too with Saturday's game um, but finishing up with the open cup um, Coco Carasquilla 105th minute puts Houston up top again conceding in a similar fashion in we're seconds away from going into the break um, and this one's an, this one's an extra time right before the break Kokarasia uh, is able to find the back of the net, and now you're trailing two one, heading into the final 15 minutes of this one. But I didn't really see much fight from RSL, unfortunately. No, there were glimpses, like maybe some spells of possession, but other than that, it was it's pathetic, man. Like this, this I, I'll say it. It was pathetic. This one was one where there was a lot of empty possession. There was it was just RSL trying to build an attack, but they can't. They couldn't really do anything in the final third. Um, they have the ball near uh, Houston's goalkeeper a lot in that second half of extra time, but it really didn't lead to to, to much. No, there was there was no sense of you know a few weeks ago we would say you know even when we're down you don't feel like we're out, but this game. The second that first goal is conceded, you felt like we were out, right? The the second Carasquilla scored his goal in the hundred fifth, it I didn't I didn't really have much much hope in this one. Not at all, and and you know I know I know the players' confidence is low, but man, the fan confidence is even lower, and that's got a sting. Well, it's just it, it's just I guess a little bit of a contrast of what we saw earlier versus what we saw in Houston is um, you go back to the game against Sporting Kansas where that you're down to nothing at the break, but you you expected Rouse like to come back. You right. had that confidence that they were going to come back, and the way they came out in the second half showed you. I mean, seconds within seconds they scored a goal in that second half. Yep. We there was that confidence there from that team, but we just didn't see it on Wednesday night in that Open Cup match. And and with the way they're playing. Do you feel like that's coming back ever? You know what I mean? Like it, it's hard. It's so hard. And that's where that's that's where the, that's on the coaches coaching staff to rebuild that confidence and to get back to that point where you were. And honestly, I think I think a win's just needed, man. I think at this point, it's, with three points in a bag against Portland, I think that could do it. 
Yeah, but Portland, you know, they've got to be chomping at the bit. New coach, you know, Savarisi's out. Yep. I mean, it's it's again RSL finding themselves in yet another trap game. <laughs> so <Yeah>. I <laughs> we'll, we'll get into Portland, but I'm not confident. You know, going back, going back to the Open Cup, Brian Vera, hundred and eighteenth minute. Gets a what was first a yellow card, um, and then he gets into the face of Bossy. I think throws an elbow, if I remember right, throws an elbow at Bossy's face. There's a little scrum that happens, and then he gets sent off immediately after he gets his yellow. Um, pointless VAR review to turn it into a straight red. Um, but Brian Vera sent off in something that we I don't think we've seen at Arsenal in a while. With some fight, some passion. Some some fight. Right. I honestly, like, I know a lot of people are dragging him for this, but I really appreciated it. Um, I, I know it's stupid. Like, of course it's stupid. You know you're getting sent off at that point, but at a certain point when you're on the field and, and that team's getting in your head, you know, just make sure you make contact. <laughs> That's terrible. I, I don't mean that, but it, it, it's nice to see a little bit of bite from someone. Um, you know, Everton was that guy. Kyle was that guy. Fabian Espindola was that guy. And I think it's important, right? And I think, obviously, I don't want any more red cards, but I hope the guys kind of take a lesson from that, right? Like, sometimes you got to stick up for yourself. I I think that whole Brian Vera play is a little bit of a double-edged sword because on on one sense, I agree with you, there needs to be a little bit more passion, a little bit more fight from the players. But at the same time, I think that was just 120 min- or 118 minutes of pure frustration that led up to that point. Houston players were in RSL's head all night long. You're now trailing. You're literally minutes away from elimination. I, I, the way I see it, it's just a pure sense, a pure act of frustration, um, a pure act of of uh, we're out. So I'm going to go for somebody um, and get and you know start something. And there's I, I I don't know. I think there's a way to do it, and I don't know if I necessarily agree that that was the the right way to do it. Mm. It was the most entertaining part of the game, and I'll take it. <laughs> For sure. Um, literally minutes after that, or, or yeah, minutes after, seconds after the review, the VAR review, um, Caicedo scores, makes it 3-1, basically eliminates RSL, um, and we're out. Not only are we out of the Open Cup, not only do we miss a chance of playing Lionel Messi in Sandy at America First, but I think the most important thing that we missed out on was the automatic qualifier for CONCACAF Champions Cup. Yep. As as Trey said, we got to do things the hard way, apparently, right? A win against the Houston team that, let's be real, up until they beat Portland right before they beat us has been abysmal. Agreed. We gave it up to an abysmal team. I think coming in... We, the- we let them get in our heads, honestly. That's the biggest thing, and it showed Saturday as well. Yep. I think they 100% won the mental game. Um, I mean, first of all, you're coming to this one a little bit, a little bit beat up because of what happened at LAFC. You don't, you're already coming with a little, little bit of a knock on the confidence. And I think Houston 110% took advantage of that. We saw it in the Brian Vera situation. We saw it throughout the field is that those players were getting in RSL's head mm-hmm. and it did not help at all. Nope. Um, how do you, how do you, you know, this is one of those, this is one of those that I hope, you know, come playoff time, we draw Houston and, can somehow get in their heads and and turn the tables. It's how rivalries are made, really. But 
anyway, should we move on to Saturday? Moving on to Saturday. Um, coming into this one, I mean, we we both walked into the stadium, and I didn't really, I didn't, I felt good up until maybe the lineups came out, and then I was like, oh, I don't know, yep. man. Yep. Um, I yeah. Let's go through the lineup. <clears throat> starting eleven, Gavin Beavers in goal, which I like. Fine. I, yep. uh, I like I like that move. Uh, Bodie Hidalgo, Justin Glad, Marcelo Silva, Brian Oviedo. Raise that red flag, my guy. Absolutely. Immediately. Immediately. You go. You just move. got absolutely worked by this team, and you're going to throw out probably your weakest backline. And this is no knock at Bodie. This is definitely a little bit of a knock at Oviedo, but those two aren't your best outside backs, right? Oviedo just unfortunately hasn't looked to be the part this season. He started no, off it, really well. He had like maybe four or five good games when he first signed, and then it's just been a little bit of a decline since. Um, I fear his age is starting to show. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it's his age. I don't know if he was just kind of staying fit for the World Cup. Um, because obviously he had a call up to the World Cup, and mm-hmm. but man, since the start of the season, o- Oviedo just has not—he just hasn't looked the part. Yeah, I don't expect that contract to be that option to be picked up. You move up to the midfield. You got Jefferson Savarino, uh, Jasper Lafelson, Nelson Palacio, and Michael Chang. Yeah, why? I think the worst part about this is that Chang and Oviedo were on the same side. Yep, and that's where that's where Houston tried to expose us a lot. Yep, you have Oviedo, who's obviously been struggling. If any coach is worth his his, his weight in gold, he'll see that Oviedo's your target. And then you put Chang, who let's be real, has had very few minutes the last couple months. You start him, and then you put him in front of the guy that's struggling. It's zero sense, dude. Like zero sense. It's it's such an interesting decision, and then up top you go back to the natural pairing of uh, Chicho Arango and Danny Musaski. But I think to me, what stood out a little bit more than the personnel per se is running the same formation and running the same tactics when Pablo Mastroeni was in the post match presser after the Open Cup match, saying that it was probably time to change the formation because we don't have a player who's going to fill in the void that Pablo Ruiz left. Right, and that formation's been exposed. Well, 110%. Everyone knows how to beat it now. It's just like when everyone figured out how to beat Jason Christ in his diamond midfield. Once they figured that out, Christ couldn't adapt, and it was game over for his coaching career. You know what I mean? We saw it with uh, when he left for New York. Yep. And um, every stop since. It's, 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 I, just, I didn't like that we came out the same way. I didn't like that we came out in the four four two, despite him saying that we needed to change um, on the plus side, though, with him coming out in the same four four two, we did see a little bit of a step up from Nelson Palacio. Absolutely, I think he was the player of the match, which is hard to have when you get you know beat at home badly. But he was all over the place. He was doing what you need your destroyer six to do. Absolutely, absolutely. So. I I really loved Palacio's play on Saturday. Um, he was one of the the few bright spots that I saw in that first half. Um, but the first half. It was it wasn't good in the sense that we couldn't connect, we couldn't feed the forwards. There was nothing going on in the midfield, and because of that, we couldn't get Chicho involved. We couldn't get Danny Musaski involved, um, and it was just frustrating because we had no attack. Jefferson Savarino again was basically invisible in this one, and this is the moment where we need a Jefferson to step up. Yeah, I feel like um, 
Jefferson that, that felt like he was kind of uninterested in RSL at the beginning of the season, that Jefferson's back, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, still one of the best players on the field, but he, he's not he's not leading by example for me, right? He should be demanding the ball. He should be, you know, trying to make things happen. Kind of like, oh, I'm not going to say it, never mind. But yeah, very frustrating. And if you look at the heat map or the, the passing lanes for the first half, it literally along the back line and then up the wing. And that was literally it. There was a black hole in the middle of the field and up top. There was no passing. Um, there was no passing to Lafelson. There was no passing to Palacio. There was no passing to Orango. And there was no passing to Danny Mosowski. That was That's how as abysmal that attack was in that first half. Yeah, horrible game. And, you know, the stands are full. It's a very, very full game, and that's what we get at home. Well, and Troubling. Then, <laughs> which, yeah, hey, shout out RSL fans for showing up and making this the third um, the third in appearances. twenty one Over 21,500, um, close to beating that LAFC record. Shout out to the fans. Um, I think not- 5,000 of those were high school dancers, though. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. <laughs> nine minutes into this one again you go back to the defensive mistakes that we were talking about um earlier in which the we got cory baird running it all by himself to the box no mark nobody around him um the closest defender is a mile and a half away completely alone in the box just makes that run in we can't for some reason something happened between that monterey game and and um the, that seattle game that Seattle win again in League's Cup, this team was so good at stopping transition. They were so good at beating the transition, at hitting on the quick counters. They were the team that was taking the press. They were the team that was taking the transition. And now every team since then has taken the transition to RSL. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Corey Baird just running completely and marked into the box and opening the scoring for Houston Dynamo. And like of all guys, of all X players to score, listen here, of all X RSL players to score against RSL, the last, and I mean the last one I want scoring against us is Corey Baird. I didn't like his celebration. No, and you know what? I understand why he celebrated, right? Sure. He basically got booed out of town. Yeah. And then failed at LAFC yep. and is having a mediocre year at Houston, right? Good for him. He's still one of the biggest disappointments to ever wear an RSL shirt. And, you know, I... I don't know why we dislike him so much, right? Other players have missed flights. Other players have, uh, I think it was his demeanor the whole time he was here. Um, yeah, he just, I don't know. But to let him score and then celebrate on, on the home stands just was annoying, man. So annoying. I didn't dislike Corey Baird up until that celebration. That celebration was disrespectful. Yeah, I mean... Rusnak scored on us, hasn't he? Yeah, but he didn't celebrate. Right. And Rusnak got absolutely booed out of the stadium twice. Yep. And him not celebrating bought a lot of goodwill back. You know, being a professional, he he doesn't get booed anymore. He gets a little bit here and there. But, like, if you were to say, hey, everyone, Albert Rusnak's coming back on a free, I think people would take him. If you were to say, we've traded for Corey Baird or he's coming here on a free – People would not be happy. Yep, and that's and that's big, right? I I, I agree. I agree. So, Corey Corey Baird, man. Uh, um, yeah, he scores nine minutes in. 
<laughs> defensively, again, just committing these silly mistakes, not able to stop the transition. And then speaking of mi- defensive mistakes, you go to the second goal where Brian Oviedo, the rest of the defense steps up. You have uh, Hidalgo, you got Glad, you got Marcelo Silva stepping up to make sure that those players are offside when that ball whips in. And Oviedo notices like three seconds too late, moves up when the ball's already kicked. And Daniel Starez is all by himself in the box to just poke ahead over Gavin Beavers. Ridiculous, dude. I... Talk about a failed offside trap. <clears throat> oh, bro. Beyond failure, right? Like, <laughs> that's one of those that that gets you benched. That gets you subbed out immediately, right? In in club soccer or high school or whatever. But, like, you really have to take ownership of that. And you really have to fill. I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> you. Just, I mean, you just go back to the silly mistakes, um, in which Arsenal has been conceding all these goals. It, it, you can clearly see in the replay where Oviedo like looks over his shoulder and sees that he's the last guy, and that everybody else has already stepped up to make sure that that offside trap is set. And he tries to hurry, but I mean, by then it's just too late. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. And it's you know you can make the argument that. Beto, dude. It's driving me nuts. You can make the argument that, you know, he hasn't had a lot of time or, you know, the communication was bad or whatever, but like we haven't had this issue all year long, right? Everyone knows the offside trap. They know what you're supposed to do. That's defense 101. He was just caught ball watching and hanging out. And that's 100%. absolutely unacceptable when your team is, you know, at, at the lowest point of the season, I'll say. And so now we're 2 nothing down, 30th minute. You, we go into the break. Um, was there changes at the half? No, no there wasn't. Because there wasn't I was quite upset, half. if you remember. Yeah, they came out the exact same way in the second half. Um, but they did show a little bit of fight. They did show a little bit of, of fight once in the 60th minute, after the delay, once Rubin, Luna, and Anderson came in. I agree, but I think... You know, like a lot of Pablo's changes, this is one of those times where I was complaining about Luna coming off at half. But this is one of those times that I'm absolutely okay with you making wholesale changes at the half because it's not working, right? You're doing down 2-0 at home, but you're going to let the guys ride it out for 60 or so, right? See if they can figure it out. No, this is when you need to adjust your tactics, adjust the squad on the field, and go for it. Otherwise, it turns into too little too late. And I think too little, too late in this one. It was for RSL. Oh, absolutely. Um, because you come in, you come back from the from the weather delay. You show that little bit of fight, that little bit of character. You have a couple of good opportunities, and then again, just on the transition. At this point, I think it's more of just pushing people forward to try to get the try to get back into this one more than um, a transit a mistake in the transition. But regardless, it's off the transition on a quick counter. Garaskia just gets in behind the defense. He's one-on-one with Gavin, um, finds the back of the net. And at that point, it's over. Absolutely. Yep. I I refuse to believe this team is that poor without Ruiz. I absolutely refuse as well. I know that it sucks for them, right? Your buddy's out on crutches and can't play, but what else is going on, right? I mean the timing of the the timing of the injury is just at the worst time possible, right? It's 
the leagues you, you go down a league's cup match a game you have to win you get knocked out next game it doesn't really look like there's a plan on how to replace pablo ruiz you get walked all over in houston and then the same thing you come out the same way trying to trying to solve trying to solve that key in the in the midfield and houston just does the same thing they did to you on wednesday yeah again coaching right no adjustment made and then you have gomez in the locker room during the rain delay two minutes into it happening. Now it was very cryptic, but for me, if your player who is in the 18, he was in the 18, right? He was on the bench. He was on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in the 18 and immediately getting on his phone and posting something like that. That, that to me says the locker room is not good right now. Right. That to me says players are either questioning the coach or they've, given up on the coach they've bought out and and again he could have been posting it because of the rain delay but it's so cryptic man like you can't have him doing that a and b what's going on what is going on it's a bad look it's a bad look very bad look going into the rain delay you post that it's it's a terrible look um there was even there was even a situation after the Houston game on Wednesday where he took to Instagram to comment under some of MLS posts to complain about the ref, and he said that the uh, there was no fairness from the referees that everything that RSL did um, they called everything against RSL. There was no fairness in with the calls to Houston. I didn't see that in this one per se, where he would be going after the referees again. Sure, yeah, I don't either way. You, I know he's young, but. You got to not let that stuff happen. And so, I know the team is probably very upset we saw that when we did because, uh, you know, they made him delete it right away. But if it wasn't us, someone else would have saw it. So, you know, Gomez, I, I really want him to come good. I really do. I have faith he will. Uh, but he's definitely showing his age. <laughs> <laughs> again, man, he's just he's just not, unfortunately, just not the player he was at the beginning of the year. No, but again, young guy, you know, he lost his spot to Luna, essentially, who's killing it. So it's yeah. going to happen. But again, switching formation could really alleviate some of that weird congestion we have on the wings. So yeah, let's get into it. What what, what does RSL need to do to solve the crisis? Obviously, well, I think obviously I think confidence. They need a big boost of confidence, and you go out to Portland and get a win. However, I think in order to do that, you have to switch things up tactically. Right. You can't just be like, oh, we got to win and everything will be fine. Yeah. Right. You, you have to, as a coaching staff, as a team, figure out how to get yourself in the best possible position to get that win. And if we don't see the strongest lineup we have Wednesday, I don't care that we play Saturday. I want the strongest lineup both games. Mm-hmm. And I want to see some kind of different tactic. The press come back. I don't know where that went. You know, something has to happen. You know, for Portland, they're not a good team, but they're fast, right? They've got some size. They're going to do some damage. If they want to press, they could give us fits. And Colorado, they're trash, but they would love nothing more than to feast on the very sad carcass of RSL right now. So we're in a, we could be in for a very rough week. I think Colorado's season purely depends on the success they have against RSL at this point. Absolutely. Um, They're, they have no hope other than to not lose the Rocky Mountain Cup at this point. Yeah. Yep. So they're going to come in on Saturday and they're going to, they're going to be hungry. I think it's going to be a chippy game. Is it at um, home? 
it's at is. home, right? Yeah. yeah, it's here. Damn it. I won't be there. <laughs> I won't either. It's fine. That makes me uh, so sad in my heart. <laughs> so looking looking at um, Wednesday's game against Portland, a Portland team who's coming into this one, again, not in the best form. They just lost Gio Savarese. Um, it's a team that looks like they don't have any answers. And so I think, I think a trip to Portland might be a good, a good idea to go out and change things up, experiment a little bit and figure out what, what's going to give you the best formation. What's going to give you the best tactics. What's going to give you the best, um, what's going to give you the best results at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be really interesting to kind of see RSL switch over to a four, three, three and have a midfield of Nelson Palacio, uh, Brian Ojeda and Diego Luna. Okay. I could see it. But I think it would be good. I think it would be good too, but like what are the actual odds that's the lineup we come out with? Um probably I'll give it like a twenty eighty. Twenty percent we do? Twenty percent we do, twenty eighty percent yeah, we do. I would not be shocked to see <laughs> the exact same formation we've seen the last year. And a lot of people on Twitter have the same, I think have the same idea as me as in Pablo Ruiz did so much on the offensive end. He did so much in, as far as playmaking, creating, orchestrating an attack. He most of, if you go back and you watch a lot of our goals, it starts in the midfield with either Brian Ojeda or Pablo Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you, you move to a four, three, three, you kind of throw Luna into more of a central area and you let him take the reins on that playmaking space, yep. that spot that we need. We have, have a him 10. Linking. We have exactly. a 10. Exactly. Have him start linking up with Chicho through the middle. Have him start linking up with Musaski through the middle. Um, and then have it, it's going to it's gonna suck in the sense that I think Pablo loves to run with two strikers and loves to have that two striker look. But it's, it's, it's just not going to work right now if you can't create in the midfield. And I think yeah. Luna bringing Luna back, dropping him into that midfield space, I think would help create a lot. Right. And, you know, you're not going to get goals from two strikers if they're completely starved of the ball. Yep. You can bring Luna back, have two wingers provide, you know, crosses or, and whatnot. And, and God forbid someone plays a ball through the middle for Chicho, right? Not everything has to come from the wing. So, yeah, I really hope that's what we see. And, you know, if it fails, at least we tried something. You're going to get less flack from the fans if you tried something and didn't work rather than doing the same thing. This is the exact same thing we complained about last year with Pablo. So yeah, it's feeling like Groundhog Day again. <clears throat> but, <laughs> you know, we're in a good spot in the table, but we're we're not far away from sliding all the way down to 10th. Right. Well, and and that's it. everything in the Western Conference is so tight and congested right now that you are literally two losses away from being beh- uh, below that line. Um, and so I think this is a very pivotal and important spot for Ralph Lake to wake up, get back to winning ways, um, pick up some points, especially on the road, and then and just see what happens from there. Because if we roll out with the same four four two, trying to figure out the best midfield combination without Pablo Ruiz, it's just not it's not going to work. Um, I think we're going to be too susceptible in transition, as we saw on Wednesday and Saturday. I think we're going to be too um, – we're not going to be able to create anything up the middle, as we saw on Wednesday and Saturday. Um, yep. And so it's a perfect opportunity to try to go out, try to figure it out um, before it gets too late. Yeah, and it's a, and like you said, it's the Western Conference. This is a six-point swing in the West. Yeah. These two games could literally put us below the playoff line. Yep. That's the scary part. Scary. 
that is very, <laughs> that is incredibly scary for to go from you know being so confident that we were well i was confident that we would have at least a home game uh, a home playoff game and then now it's like oof Yep. Are we gonna are we gonna get those points and we even gonna get in the playoffs at this point and, and be good? Yeah. It, it, and it, again, it's just so interesting how much an injury changes the the outlook of the season, right? Before you know, you go back to the Seattle game, we were talking about expectations for RSL, where we wanted them to end up the season, and now it's completely changed a month later because one guy is out. And I again, I just refuse. We talked about the depth. We talked about how great this team was looked on paper. And now we're in the situation where we need to figure it out. We need to figure it out quickly. Right. And that's kind of the point I was going to bring up. It's not like we don't have players that can do things. Yeah. Right. So this is purely for me, purely coaching, purely tactics, purely personnel decisions. Sure. Guys are in, like glad is in a slump. Yes. He's in a slump. Glad will figure it out. He's a seasoned professional, but if you're not, putting guys in good positions around glad and the whole team's struggling, then glad will continue to struggle, right? Chicho's not putting in goals. Well, because you're not putting Chicho in positions to score. This isn't a player thing for me. This is absolutely a coaching except Oviedo liability. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I know you love him. It is I what think, it is. And, and I want to go back to you to talk about the, the post game presser on Saturday. Um, Pablo mentioned a lot about the confidence, about how this team just, the way they, they lost the two elimination games really struck them, um, it really struck their confidence. Um, I think there's other factors as well surrounding the issue. There's a lot of things going on around the club um, that I think is affecting the players as well mentally. Because he went into a little bit of a, a rant about mental health um, in that press conference. And he talked about how, you're in this situation where you you lose these two games, but you don't really know what's going on with the player. You, um, mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on um, inside the locker room. You don't really know what's going on with the player inside his head, yada, yada, yada. And he just needs to help his, his players get back to that mentality, um, back to that confidence. And so it goes back to the hands. First of all, shout out Pablo for even mentioning that and talking about the, the mental health of the players. I thought that was super huge. I loved his answer. Um, but it is on, it ultimately lands on the coaching staff and Pablo to get that confidence back into this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope if, if any of our players are having mental health struggles or anything like that, then the team is helping them or, or they're stating it. Right. I'm having, I, I have a hard time buying that. That's the whole issue is that everyone's having a crisis right now. It could happen, but I don't know. I, I just hope, I really hope we can pull out of this nosedive. You know, I don't want to get on the Pablo out train. I don't want to get on this team sucks train. Uh, but these last couple matches have been, been really hard on my mental health. Okay. Like you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to admit man. that, that a, a sport, a team sport <laughs> can affect you the way it does. But for a lot of people, this is their escape, right? This is how they unwind. This is how they find joy in in ways they might not be able to find otherwise. So, you know, when you see fans being so passionate and, and fired up and loud, it could go real deep too there. It's not them just being mean, right? It could really be affecting them as well. And I know like, you know, if you're a girl listening to this, you're like, oh my God, how can that sports do this to you or whatever, but it, it really does, right? Like I am much happier when RSL doesn't suck. 
point blank. 100%. So these last two weeks, you know, these last two weeks have been a frustrating time to be an RSL fan. Um, right. And, and I don't like getting on here with you guys talking about why we suck. It's a lot funner to talk about winning. It's a lot funner to talk about sick goals we've scored. It's a lot funner to talk about things we could win. And then next thing you know, we're trying to diagnose what's wrong with RSL. And, <laughs> and again, we're not there every day, so we don't know. So then we end up looking like idiots when they turn things around, but you know, it's catch 22. It sucks, but do better. RSL. Hey, they made us eat crow already a couple times this season. And so I'm just hoping it happens again. I hope well, they go see, out. This is what happens. They I'm make us eat crow day. and then we're right again. So it's just this back and forth, you know, <laughs> Saturday night, 8 30 PM RSL taking on the Portland Timbers at Providence park. Um, or excuse me, Wednesday night. And then Saturday night, here at America First, the Rocky Mountain Cup returns as Rouse Lake take on Colorado Rapids at 7.30 p.m. Both games available on Apple TV. Uh, both games available through the KSL Sports Zone. Um, Josh, any last thoughts, any last comments, any last anything on Rouse Lake? Well, if you really want the fans to be nice to you right now and your confidence back, walk down that Rocky Mountain Cup trophy on Saturday. Portland... Trap game, whatever, but Saturday, you have to win. You have to dominate, or it's going to get nasty for everyone, you know? And I think there, I think at this point, there's only nine games left this season. Bro. We're in the final stretch. <laughs> what? Where'd the year go? We're, we're there. It felt weird because of the Leagues Cup break. Like, I don't, yeah. it doesn't feel like MLS plays back. Yeah, but think of how many three week games we had. That's true. That was exhausting. That so true. we only have a couple more, a couple, a couple more of those left. Yeah. Well, for me, really, get just locked down that Rocky Mountain Cup. Don't let Colorado have anything on us. Don't let them have any anything to hold over us. So we have the intern Alex Napolis. Uh, thank you, Joshua Clark, for joining us. Unfortunately, Annie Munoz and Isaac Munoz could not be with us today. Um, but that's a, gonna that's just about gonna do it for us here at the RSL show. Um, make sure to go like, um, uh, subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you get your socials from. Make sure to go check out, um, the RSL show on the KSL sports network. And until next time, everybody have a good night and have a good day. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great.